Hello everyone, I'm your host Luke, and these are my uh, co-hosts uh, Kelsey what up? and Jared. Hey everybody, how's it going? And today we're talking about the uh, Great Pacific North, or Great Pacific Garbage Patch in the Pacific Ocean specifically, because I would assume that there's others in and there the oceans. other three oceans, but we're not talking about that. The main one is the Great Pacific Garbage Patch. And um, I thought it'd be interesting to start with the major currents that are at play in the Pacific Ocean. They are known as uh, gyres, and they are large rotating currents in the ocean. Uh, the motion of gyres is determined by the direction of prevailing winds and the influence of the Coriolis effect. And the major gyre in the North Pacific Ocean is called the North Pacific Gyre or the subpolar um, gyre. And this gyre is bound by the North Equatorial Current, which moves northeastward along the western side of the North Pacific. And this current eventually turns into the Kuroshio Current and moves eastward towards the waters north of the Hawaiian Islands. Winds cause this current to flow towards North America where it branches into the northward moving Alaskan current and the California current. Um, there's another less well-formed gyre in the North Pacific called the subpolar gyre, which rotates in the opposite direction as the North Pacific one. But, you know, there's the main three. And um, what I'm trying to get to mainly is that, you know, all this that's why there is a patch is because all this trash um, that we'll get into a breakdown of, uh, <laughs> you know, just accumulates kind of, I think as you're going to read as like a long line, but to me, it's just like a big pack. And, you know, the main problem with plastics in the ocean is, you know, they just break down more and more. You know, but they're into, not biodegradable into microplastics, mm -hmm. and you know there's there's that crazy um, statistic out there that what every day we're eating a credit card's worth of microplastics. Never heard I that think. before. Well, it's some it's amount. something yeah. it's some amount which in and of itself is scary. Mm -hmm. um, because if you look at them under the microscope, they're sharp. Mm -hmm. You know, they're not like dull or something. Yeah, smooth. Yeah. What? Why don't I throw it over to you, Jared? Yeah, and kind of what Luke was touching on is those gyres um, tend to be very calm and stable in the center, and that's why they draw all the debris to the center, and it actually becomes trapped there. It 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 just sits there and basically spins. It's very calm and stable. Um, and so they did an example of like a plastic water bottle is discarded off the coast of uh, California and it takes the California current south towards Mexico and then there it may catch the north equatorial current which means it goes uh, along the equator and it goes all the way and crosses the vast Pacific all the way to the near the coast of Japan and the bottle may travel north on the powerful uh, Kuroshio current. Did I say that right? Kuroshio? Kuroshio. Kuroshio current. I, maybe I'm not saying it right. I don't know. And uh, finally, the bottle travels eastward on the North Pacific Current, and uh, gently rolling vortexes of the eastern and western garbage patches gradually grow, uh, draw on the bottle. And um, 
Yeah, so the amount of debris in the Great Pacific Garbage Patch accumulates because it's not biodegradable, like I was mentioning before. And uh, many are plastics and do not wear down. They just break into tinier and tinier pieces. And so for most people, they think of the idea that it is like a garbage patch where it's like an island of floating trash. But that's not really how it is. Most of the, most of the trash is made up of little tiny bits of plastics, microplastics. And um, they can't be seen by, some of them can't be seen by the naked eye because they've been broken down so much. And even satellite imagery doesn't show a giant patch of garbage. But the microplastics um, in the patch simply make the water look like a cloudy soup. And the soup is intermixed with larger items such as fishing gears and shoes and tires. And uh, the yeah, white tires of sort. There, there are tires out there. And uh, the seafloor beneath the garbage patch is also uh, underwater trash heap. Um, they recently discovered about 70% of the marine debris actually sinks to the bottom of the ocean. Hmm. Interesting. Um, and so uh, it was actually found by a racing boat captain by the name of Charles Moore actually discovered the trash vortex Moore was sailing from Hawaii to California after competing in a yacht race crossing the North uh, Pacific subtropic gyre Moore and his crew noticed millions of pieces of plastic surrounding his ship so yeah do you have anything uh, to touch on Kelsey well I mean you used California as an example mm -hmm. but it says that most like a good 30% plus of the ocean plastic is from China mm. and other Asian areas mm. in the world. So just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah, just check that. And uh, yeah, it says that there's a, a good amount of it is actually from boaters too. Yeah, yeah I, I think a lot of it is like, interesting. like fishing nets and... Well, I actually have a statistic on that. 80% of the plastic is estimated to come from land-based sources, okay. meaning that it was uh, basically like um, people on the beach or as the uh, rivers that flow into the ocean mm -hmm. um, that transport the trash from inland over into the ocean. And so 80% of it is from land-based, uh, and the remaining 20% comes from boats and other marine sources. So the vast majority of it is land-based. Um, but in a 2018 study, they found that synthetic fishing nets made up nearly half of the mass of the Great Garbage Patch, largely due to the uh, ocean's current dynamics and increased fishing activity. So um, it does make up a large portion of it. Yeah, I, I also want to get into, like, at you know, plastic is made by what? Burning oil, right? Yeah, oil. Yeah. yeah, and like as this oil seeps into the ocean, it like um, most of our ozone oxygen comes from the ocean in the I believe it's cytoplankton or zooplankton or something, and um, this. And when they're in the presence of oil, it kind of makes them go like for lack of a better nuts mm -hmm. like crazy it's they eat it it's a yeah it's not good for them no it's know? not um but like just to touch more on like the size of it um this is a uh this was published in um uh, scientific reports evidence the name of the paper was evidence that the great pacific garbage patch is rapidly accumulating plastic and um it's it's got a lot of people citing this article and whatnot but um 
it's saying uh, the GPGP, GP, you know, shorten. Uh, I'm just reading directly from their abstract is our model calibrate with data from multi vessel and aircraft surveys predicted at least 79,000 tons of ocean plastic are floating inside an area of 1.6 million kilometers squared. Um, a figure four to 16 times higher than previously reported. Over three quarters of the uh, garbage patch mass was carried by debris larger than five centimeters and at least 46% was comprised of fishing nets, which, you know, like, hopefully you've at least seen one picture on like Facebook or something where like, you know, like a turtle swimming through the ocean, like is just, you know, it's like around their neck. Mm -hmm. You know, it's terrible. Yeah. Um, uh, microplastics account for 8% of the total mass, but 94% of the estimated 1.8 trillion pieces floating in the area. Um, plastics collected during their study had specific characteristics such as small surface to volume ratio, indicating that only certain types of debris have the capacity to persist and accumulate at the surface, you know, as you were talking about. Mm -hmm. And the results also suggest that ocean plastic pollution with the GP is increasing exponentially and at a faster rate than in surrounding waters. So one part that I want to touch in uh, later down the line in this is like, people that are trying to clean it up, you know, like four ocean is only one, but that's one of the bigger ones. Yeah. Like I, Jared and I personally have supported them. You know, I think, I think I bought two bracelets. Yeah, I think I you bought, bought one. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, you know, if you guys can, you know, support them, I think like every bracelet they say they, I mean, if, if you watch some of their videos, it, you know, like, I'm I'm glad where they're doing it. Like, do you remember that one video? It was like that. I think it was like a, a Somalia or Indonesia or something. Yeah. Like, yeah. and they hired the locals like, to do it. Yeah, too. yeah. They're also employing the locals. So they're, and paying them a good wage. Like, they had some weird um, scandal a couple of years back, and I'm like, what what's scandalous about this company? They're doing nothing but good. Yeah, you know, like it's their intentions. Which are company are you talking? Four Ocean. Yeah, like I've, I've heard of them as well. Yeah, in, did, in did the, they have like some scandal? Well, yeah. There's, I, you should really watch Seaspiracy on Netflix and do some more research about it too, because that was. Are they part of it? No, it's just uh, they talk about how there's a tuna brand uh -huh. that puts safe fishing label, whatever, you know, it's good for the environment. Like they're sustainable. Or yes. Yeah. 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 And you know, you follow this label all the way back and it, and it is not what it means. Right. Well, you're, uh, you're, con you're the consumer and you're picking this up thinking it's one thing, but it actually is the exact opposite. Well, yeah, that's, that's a lot with, you know, a lot of these like, you know, green, labels most of it's bs i mean let's be honest here most of it's bs um but you know at the end of the day to me no matter what they're doing way more good 
the, the whatever, I guess, harm or negative, you could say. Um, but, like... So it's a net he, uh, Just going back to that video, you know, like, just all this trash, you know, just washing up on this pristine beach and just disgusting. And, you know, they cleaned it up. Mm -hmm. I mean, what what's better than that, you know? Yeah. And uh, I know you're talking about, like, turtles and fish and stuff like that. They actually call that phenomenon known as ghost fishing, where, um, where mammals and other fish are drawn into those uh, forgotten nets. And they're due to either inclement weather or illegal fishing, where they just discard the plastic fishing nets. Hmm. And another thing that people really don't think about with this uh, garbage patch is the way that it um, blocks the sun for the autotrophs. And the autotrophs are plankton and algae. And they're one of the cornerstones for the uh, uh, food web in uh, the ocean. They're the basis of everything, basically. They create uh, oxygen and... They also help, um, they're, they're, they're food for other animals, you know, they're, they're, mm -hmm. um, they're uh, a lot of animals feed off of them and then other animals feed off of them and so on and so forth until it gets up to the apex predator um, with the food web. And so this garbage patch is actually affecting the plankton and algae, which uh, reduces the amount of entirety of like food in the ocean. Um, so as the, as the microplastics and other trashes collect on or near the surface of the ocean, they actually block the sunlight from reaching the plankton and algae below. And um, they're the most common autotrophs or producers in the uh, marine food web. And Yeah, uh, they're a food source. Yeah, exactly. An important one. A very, very important one. And autotrophs are organisms that can produce their own nutrients from carbon and sunlight. And so they actually help with pollution as well. Um, by consuming the carbon and sunlight and turning it into oxygen, breathable oxygen. Yeah. Jared, can I just show you this picture? This guy has a picture of a jar of the water he took, the yeah. water sample. Yeah. So there's like a, in this, you know, it's just a random sample. There's oh like a bracelet. Gosh. There's so there's, much plastic. Yeah. Like, there's this like, is. There's like wiring. Uh, yeah, there's like wiring. Like, oh my god, yeah, this is looking at that one as well. So that's a, that's a, this is a guy that, is it Charles Moore that discovered it? Yeah. Okay, so he, he has a jar with a sample of water with, you know, just random sample from the Great Pacific Garbage Patch in 1997, like it's it's barely a mason jar and there's probably like two handfuls of crap in there right yeah. Yeah. like some of this uh wiring uh you, you know like those um on a you know like a twist cap plastic bottle the bottle cap not the bottle cap the, the thing below it the ring yeah, yeah. um just even looks like styrofoam oh yeah but like a, a, another thing now with you know covid going on is masks, masks yeah like oh my did you guys see that picture that kind of circulated on facebook this guy like he has like a stick and it's just filled with masks mm -hmm. that he yeah. just picked up because out of the litter, ocean. they don't know how to throw away trash properly yeah i know well yeah the, i saw that coming <laughs> I mean, I, it's probably mainly just laziness. They don't want to walk a couple feet to a trash can. Right. Um, so wait. on that same note, real quick, but uh, on that same note, like how much, like I just found this, that 
there's a s s certain amount of, uh, <laughs> yeah, whoops. The, Is that? That's you. That's you, dude. The plastic, you know, and uh, the, like that mason jar was a great picture right there because it showed you how much there was. The, and I found a statistic saying there's six pounds of plastic per every one pound of plankton. Jeez. Yeah. God. So that's like, I mean, it'd be pretty terrifying to see a pound of plankton anyway. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, these are very important food sources, like you were saying. Like, I think whales, like, that's the main thing they eat. You know, um, like, little they fish, eat krill, um, plankton, mm -hmm. you know, like, they, they have their weird teeth and then they, like, rub their tongue along it or right. whatever. Yeah. You know, they're filtering get hundreds of gallons of seawater. Well, not only them, but even, like, the small fish, they eat the uh, plankton as well. Yeah. And uh, same with the algae, so, they eat the algae as well. So here's another um, uh, National Geographic article on this where it's the Great Pacific Garbage Patch isn't what you think it is. It's not all bottles and straws. The patch is mostly abandoned fishing gear. Mm. Oh, here, here's another thing I may, maybe you should look into while I'm reading this is um, look at all the uh, cruise ships. All the stuff they dump. Oh my god, they just... They're terrible. Once they're in international water. Yeah, they just dump it. Oh yeah. Like, it's terrible. Um, but it's the, you know, the garbage patch is the world's largest collection of floating trash. And the most famous, it's often described as, quote, larger than Texas. Um, it cannot be seen from space, though. Um... The patch was discovered in 1997 by Charles Moore. Uh, the patch is now a, the target of a $32 million cleanup campaign launched by a Dutch teenager, Boyan Slat, now 23, and head of the Ocean Cleanup, the organization he founded to do the job. I think that's the guy, since he's Dutch, he's the guy, he's an inventor. He, he, it's like a... Did you see that, Jared? It's like a passive collection of trash. You know, it just floats along the ocean using the ocean currents to yeah. uh, collect it. But, um, you know, I'm, to me it's just fascinating seeing a breakdown of what's in this. And what's... Here, here's another take on it. Microplastics make up 94% of an estimated 1.8% trillion pieces of plastic um but that only amounts to eight percent of the total tonnage as it turns out the 79,000 metric tons of plastic in the patch most of it abandoned fishing gear um <laughs> so uh slats team of scientists concluded that the 79,000 tons was four to 16 times larger than had previously been estimated for the patch and the study also found that fishing nets account for 46 percent of the trash so what one other thought i have is like it wouldn't i mean you, you assume a fishing net would float on the surface of the ocean right mm, well you want to catch fish 
So I mean, it so should, might sink. I would think yeah. so. Okay, but like to me, like I don't feel a lot of this would be that hard to pick up. You know, at least the bigger pieces. Well, I mean, it's just the investment, right? The the, the microplastics, like we were talking about earlier, it it de decomposes and it turns yeah, into they, those little they just shards keep breaking down more and more. Well, yeah, and those little shards are probably. A good ninety-five percent of whatever you know, the majority of all the plastic out there. And and I, I want to kind of touch on what Lucas said. Well, it's like it's like um, the garbage patches uh, so far from any other country's coastlines. Uh, no nation is going to take responsibility for it or right. provide uh, the funding to clean it up. Uh, Charles Moore, the guy who actually found it, um, says that uh, the garbage patch would uh, bankrupt any country that tried to clean it up. Which is pretty good. Even China. Yeah. Let us loan everybody else money. Right. I, I, <laughs> okay, guys, we take money and we loan it to ourselves, but then we bankrupt ourselves. Dang it. I read another. <laughs> There's a problem. Solved. I, I read another quote that said it would take 67 plastic ships to work all day, year round, to clean it up. <laughs> And like that is. They, they just bump into each other. Pretty much, you'd have to. Um, the other side of it is that those microplastics have been ingested by the right the, the plankton and the microorganisms. Right, like, like they've already taken in most of the carcinogens, and it's already been processed in another way than just being broken by friction and exfoliation. Yeah, so this is just making climate change even worse. Well, it's already in the. The system of the ecology now right the, um so i just found the quote that you were talking about okay yeah and so the national ocean and atmospheric administration um debris program estimates that it would take six, uh, 67 ships one year to clean up less than one percent one percent yeah of the uh, north pacific ocean so you'd have those 67 ships working year round and they'd they barely touch one percent. Basically, Less what they said is it would take a hundred years for sixty-seven boats to get it done all yeah. year, every right. day. So, like, just a fun fact that I remember is like, even when they were in, you know, like the Marianas Trench, the deepest part of the ocean, they found they found microplastics. Oh yeah, yeah. So they're everywhere. Oh yeah, you know. And they've actually used a drone in uh, twenty fourteen. They used more, and his team used an aerial drone to assess from above the extent of the trash below. The drones determined that there is a hundred times more plastic by weight than previously measured. Below the below the surface. The surface. So it's like an iceberg. You only see like ten percent of what's up there. Yeah. And there's a lot more below it. Oh. The team also discovered more permanent plastics features or islands, some fifteen meters or fifty feet in length. <laughs> so like they're just. The trash kind of is floating yeah. together. Yeah. It's free real estate. Yeah. It's free real estate. Yeah. Get out there. Build hey, well, that, that's another island. thing that China's <laughs> doing is they're, they're building these um, artificial islands. Mm -hmm. Because, like, the law of the sea is, like, it's <laughs> 200 nautical miles past your coastline. So what they're doing is they're building new islands to extend their coastline. Yeah, Dubai was doing that too. Yeah, yeah. but China is the biggest offender. repeat offender. Yeah. Um, yeah. They like to do it for their navy too. They yeah, like they're to build giant. They're, they play dirty, you know. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. 
Um, so this is. Uh, Did we touch on how many pieces they believe are in the garbage patch? I don't think the one point eight trillion tons. Uh, pieces. One point eight trillion pieces. Oh, and pieces. That weighs eighty-eight thousand tons, the equivalent of five hundred jumbo jets. That's how much trash is there. What, Jerry? What was that game you and I were playing? Was it Raft? Raft. Yeah. yeah so That's like, a fun you, game. you build That's these. A good game, you right? build these collection. That's Kelsey. Sounds like you've played it, and uh, you could collect plastic and. Uh, metal and you know whatnot and like what we have like a two three story canoe or raft and yeah, like the stupid shark can be dead for like a minute it was uh, hilarious and then I'd come back then yeah. you get another shark and I'd die and oh, yeah I'd keep dying so they would put a good spin on collecting trash yeah being on a raft well like you know like what. We, we didn't discover most of the story, right? But, like, mo most of the ocean has, like, flooded. You know, like... I would think most of the ocean is flooded. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> most of the world is yeah, flooded. Yeah, most oh, of the world is okay, flooded. Okay, okay. So there's just small, tiny islands. Ah. Yeah. yeah. So, like... It's like all, water world all over again. All, all the Arctic melted. <laughs> or yeah. let's paddle over to Mount Everest. Yeah. We're here. <laughs> <laughs> we so, but it, it, it was pretty fun. Um, yeah, it sounds fun. Yeah. Um, so, Laurent LeBreton, an oceanographer, you know, working with the Dutch guy, um, says the research team was looking to assess the larger pieces. And this is a quote of his. I knew there were, would be a lot of fishing gear, but 46% was unexpectedly high. Initially, we thought fishing gear would be more in the 20% range. That's the accepted number. For the debris globally, 20% from fishing sources and 80% from uh, land. Ghost nets, which was a term coined to describe purposely discarded or accidentally lost netting drifts through the ocean and tangling whales, seals, and turtles. And an estimated 100,000 marine animals are strangled, suffocated, or injured by plastics every year. And that's like, just, and those are just the marine animals. Those are not like the plankton that are all dying what, because they can't get sun, you know? Look at this picture. And so Jared, it has a much bigger impact than just the ones caught. It's just the trash washing up on the... Shore. Yeah. Oh. Just, that's only a small fraction but, of it because most of it's caught in those... Uh, gyros or gi uh, what are they called again? Gyries. Gyries. Gyrie. I looked Gyrie. it up. Gyrie. Yeah, it's. It so I was pronouncing it wrong too. Right. Yeah. yeah I didn't want yeah. to be rude, but yeah, yeah. it's it's it's. Yeah. No, I I it's gyre. just just to be gyre. perfectly it comes from gyration. Yeah. That's that's the. Just analogy. just to be perfectly clear. I I want to be pronouncing stuff the right way. Definitely. You know. No, yeah. no matter who it is. Well, I'm, I'm guilty of it too. Yeah, I found yeah. a. I'm, I'm not trying to throw anyone. I found another me under the bus, Luke. another one of those weird <laughs> words that caught my eye. It was gastric impaction. That's what happens to the birds and the 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 fish that eat right. it. Yeah. Um and it's just such a the the medical world is so weird. It it just means that like it's just getting filled with plastic. Like so, or, or just getting packed full. Yeah, because so they, they've cut out because they've cut open bellies of uh, fish. No, yeah, so I, I and they actually open the bellies and they're just packed with plastic. And yeah, stuff. so I I was gonna get to that. There's YouTube videos you can watch, guys. Viewer discretion is advised, of course. But um, the it, you know this guy catches a fish 
uh, cuts open its guts or its stomach, and it's just all plastic. So much. Yeah. Hey, well, just think about the fish that, you know, survive that impaction. They can pass all of that plastic through their body. Well, like I was saying earlier, you know, the toxicity and their, their, uh, their diet is all messed up. And, you know, sure, you might be worried about, oh, you know, oh, burning plastic. I can't breathe that in. But the fish, the tuna that you ate. Yeah, earlier, it is disgusting. It already has plastic in it. True. You're in, you're in taking more plastic from the food than you could be from just, oh, God, a whiff of burning plastic. Like, yeah. No. So I, it's, I, I always try to be... Um, glasses half full, you know, try to stay optimistic. So there's some good news in this, like this group called Ocean Cleanup, once again, the Dutch guy is currently working on a system to remove much of this abandoned fishing gear with plans to launch later this year. I uh, quote the interesting piece is that at least half of what they're finding is not consumer plastics, which are central to much of the current debate, but um, fishing gear in this study's confirmation that we know abandoned Lost gear is an important source of mortality for a whole host of animals, and we need to broaden the plastic conversation to make sure we solve this uh, wedge of the problem. So, my my other thought on this, guys, is that um, we try to what synthesize some kind of bacteria that's able to eat the plastic. eat this plastic these microplastics, mm -hmm. right? And digest them and turn them into uh, something that's biodegradable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which, um, there, there are some bacteria that can eat plastic. I think cockroaches can eat plastic. Didn't know that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, kind of going off of what you're talking about, the ocean cleanup, um, it's actually developing a passive cleanup mo uh, method that uses the natural oceanic currents um, that force uh, forces to rapidly and cost-effectively clean up the plastic already in the ocean. With the full fleet of um, cleanup systems in the Great Pacific Garbage Patch, they aim to clean up 50% of its plastic every five years. And so that's something that they're doing is they're actually using, rather than uh, uh, having these ships drag these like 10-foot deep nets, like they're 10 feet deep in the water and they're like 200 feet wide or 600-meter barrier for this one, um, like these ships tow these two ships will tow it and just drag it uh, this net and pick up everything um, and they try to get as few fish as possible in it as well um, but this other one that they're trying to propose would be a passive method where it lets the ocean currents carry it and pick up the trash as it goes and then they just pick it up that's what he invented filled. right yeah that's what he invented yeah, yeah. Um, no so one one key part of this is like a lot of these this trash comes from like rivers and you know like whatnot and what this guy is doing is he's gonna he has these rafts that just passively collect the trash mm -hmm. you know using the oceans the currents without disturbing the wow. marine life mm -hmm. which you know is cool um but kind of going off of what you're saying in about cleaning it up is yeah we're gonna clean it up and try to get rid of like 50% of it in just five years or they're they also project that uh, they'll be able to remove 90% of the ocean plastic by 2040 but the biggest thing there is that we have to combine it with source reduction 
meaning we have to reduce the amount of plastics that we are throwing into the ocean for, for this to become viable. Because if we're taking out the same amount that we're putting in or taking out less than what we're putting in, it's still going to grow, right? Or right. Stay, stay the same. Um, and so that's one of the biggest things is reducing the source, uh, the source, you know, source reduction. You have to reduce, and reduce the amount of plastic that is going into the ocean. And so I think our society needs to find a way to do that. And that's one of the biggest things about cleaning it up is stop putting, adding more to it. I mean, I, I honestly wonder what's going to be the next plastic, you know, like some, someone's going to discover it, you know, like what, what, what did we use before plastic, right? Oh, I think. Asbestos. I think we are way too in, in twined with plastic. Well, it's going to run out. Because you burn oil to create plastic. Right, but I I think with... I think, look look around you, there's so much plastic that's already here. You know, you eat... You're right, yeah, it's going to eventually run out. But I'm not saying anytime are, soon, but eventually. But we are so hugely ingrained in using it, it's so easy to work with, easy to manipulate and change, but once... Usually, once it's in that state, it can't be changed again. Right. There's there are thermoplastics that can be remolded. Like, like recycling plastic is really hard, right? Yes. Oh, it's yeah. extremely difficult. Yeah. Only certain types of plastics. I mean, but uh, and I just highly doubt that. Uh, it's just very shocking for me to hear what the next plastic would be. You know. Well, no. Like I was saying is like. I'm, I'm not sure how much you guys know about this, but, you know, like, before they knew that asbestos caused mesothelioma and, you know, other, you know, preventable diseases, they used it in insulation. They used it, hell, they used it as fire blankets. Asbestos? Oh, yeah. Yeah. They used it everywhere. Yeah. You know, it's cheap. It's, you know, and now people are, you know, so... Have you ever seen an asbestos cleanup? They cover the entire thing with a giant sheet. Mm -hmm. And they, you know, put the thing in, what, lined trucks and cart it out? I don't know if they, like... Or they dump it or whatever, but, you know, like, they're super serious about... You know, like, there's probably some study of, like, what all this plastic, like, does it increase the rates of cancer? Does it increase the rates of illness? I, asthma, I don't allergies. Know. Yeah, asthma. Something. Blindness. Whatever. On this same note, yeah, the, like I was saying, the plastics that you would ingest from eating that piece of tuna. Mm -hmm. the, the thing that plastic attacks in your body is the, uh, the endocrine system. Mm -hmm. So basically what controls your pancreas and, mm -hmm. and I think your kidneys I, I didn't have you know great scientific education so <laughs> yeah yeah I know the the endocrine system so it's like that's the one that controls whether or not you have diabetes like that's yeah it's you know, um, probably a huge player so yeah, it produces hormones that regulate metabolism, growth, development, tissue function, sexual function, reproduction, sleep, and mood, among a lot of other things. So it, it affects all sorts of things. 
Um, but yeah, it's released by internal glands um, of an organism directly into the circulatory system, regulating uh, distant target organs and uh, vertebrates. The hypothalamus is a neutral control center for all endocrine systems. Hmm. So it's very, <laughs> it's obviously something we should be worried about, you know. Yep. So right. have you uh, have you guys heard of bake back bakelite? No. That was the first plastic. Like my my grandma has a dish that's wait bake ba uh, can bakelite? Yeah, it's basically just bakelite. L I T E. Yeah. Like. Oh, that the, is the weird. It looks gooey. Yeah, that is the original plastic and. Ooh, can 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 I try to pronounce it? So it's. Poly oxy benzyl methyl and glycocol holy shit anhydride it's got everything in it there. was <laughs> that's a long word the first plastic <laughs> made from synthetic components it is a thermosetting phenol formaldehyde resin formed from the condensation reaction of phenol with formaldehyde which oh my god yeah. Like this, this stuff looks weird. Phenol like, and formaldehyde like, are like the least. Oh, it looks like weird. gooey yeah. or gummy. Yeah, like you gummy. Know? Yeah. yeah. You know what's funny is while you're reading those off, that reminded me of uh, our biology class we had together. <laughs> yeah. No, <I'm, laughs> he used a lot of those words. <laughs> yeah, that was fun. By the fun way, times. I found out how much cruise ships dump in the ocean. Uh, this is specifically regarding sewage. They dump one billion gallons of sewage in the ocean last year. Um, that was in 2013, so, yeah. So, I have only been on one cruise ship in my life when I was in fourth grade. The cruise ship was good. It was like a full week I was in fourth grade. But, oh my god, getting there and, like, when we, it, it was around the Gulf of Mexico. And, oh my god, it was, they, we, we got off the ship to, you know, do a swimming with dolphins class. Oh, nice. Yeah. And, uh, it was, it was carnival cruise lines and <laughs> it wasn't like the, the end and the start of it were not the best. Like right. if this is just my opinion, if you're gonna be, you know, choosing your cruise ship, which, you know, in the age of COVID, I would not recommend because to me, you're almost guaranteed to get it. Oh my God, yeah. And then you're, um, and then you're stranded on that ship, you know, if you're on, Feeling if that horrible. ship's on quarantine, because that's happening. Military ships, cruise ships, oh, you yeah. know. Just, just last year, yeah. you know, my neighbor, he, uh, he used to work on cruise ships and when they would have, a an outbreak, oh, outbreak. Or something. They don't call in the helicopters to take you home. Yeah, you get you get better on the boat. Mm -hmm. Like, and you don't go back to port mm -hmm. until they're healthy. Um. So that's I've I've watched a few videos on the Spanish flu mm -hmm. because if you look at an overlap, there's a lot of overlap between the Spanish flu and COVID. They're they're right. different. They're different virus strains, of course. Right. Know? Like. COVID is a coronavirus, which is... Upper respiratory. Yeah. But, um... Like, I... I Maybe that's a podcast we could do, is, like, some overlap between the Spanish flu and COVID. That'd be but, interesting. Um, the, there's just so much overlap. 
after, you know, yeah, like people wore masks because they weren't, you know, like, you know. Well, their masks back then didn't work because they weren't, they weren't able to filter the right. virus out, but right. it did help with like... Spread. Well, it's better than nothing. Yeah, exactly. Right. Um, Ooh, you'd hear that thunder. Ooh, Ooh we're yeah. going to get some so, thunderstorms soon. <laughs> <laughs> this one is recorded in the live studio audience. <laughs> that guy just got zapped. <laughs> um, so, anyways, I just wanted to touch back on like how this breakdown of plastic is bad for you know the cytoplankton. Mm -hmm. um, so this is IT news. Um, one species that's affected is known as a salp. <laughs> it's a jellyfish-like species known as zooplankton that brings carbon dioxide to the ocean floor where it's stored and this these microplastics consumed by plankton in the world's ocean could be affecting the marine organisms organisms ability to capture carbon dioxide according to irish scientists oceans have stored up to half of all co2 produced by mankind yep. in the last two centuries they're a huge buffer and for held at the bottom of the sea. Mm -hmm. On the sea surface, microscopic algae turn dissolve CO2 into fuel known as organic carbon. And these algae are consumed by many different animals, you know, like the food chain you were talking about, yeah. forming the basis of the marine food web. Passing through the food chain, much of the organic carbon is released and converted back into CO2. Some of it is released into the ocean and the atmosphere more of it is transported to the seafloor by salps, jellyfish-like animals known as zooplankton, which bring it to the bottom where it is stored. However, microplastics are interfering with the chain. You, you know, this all ties into, like, here, here's another disaster. Like, you, you know, the tundra? Like, it, it's called, you, you know, the layer of permafrost? What's trapped in those permafrost is, like, methane. And methane is one of the worst greenhouse gases out there. Like, truly, you guys have seen those videos of, like, a frozen lake out in, I don't know, Siberia or whatever. They poke a hole and, you know, out, out comes fire. Mm -hmm. You know, that's methane burning. Um, so these salps ingest algae at the sea surface and produce... So what... what I'm sorry I'm jumping around, but these um, methane uh, captures okay, a, a lot more um, of the heat in, you know, the sun's rays than, you know, CO2. Yeah. You know, uh, so it's more terrible. Um, but these salps ingest algae at the sea surface and produce dense fecal pallet, pellets which rapidly sink to the deep sea, carrying with them some of this captured carbon. So that's what they were talking about. Mm -hmm. um, our studies suggest salp fecal pellets will remain at the sea surface for longer when they contain microplastics. While there, they may get broken down, causing the CO2 to be re-released to the ocean and atmosphere. Like, the, the more research you do into this, the more it seems it's hopeless, you know? Yeah. I hate that. But, yeah. you know, knowledge is power, right? So True. I'd rather... No less than not. Right? Mm -hmm. Like, I, I didn't even know what salps are. Yeah, and so there's something kind of interesting that I'm reading here is that 
They did fish samples from Indonesia and California, and they're all found to have um, uh, plastic debris and fibers from tactiles in their gut. And besides seafood, emerging evidence is showing that the microplastics, especially synthetic fibers, have been detected in a variety of foods, including drinking water, beer, honey, sugar, and table salt. So these microplastics, um, kind of relating to what you were talking about with the food chain, mm -hmm. it's literally making its way up through the food chain because the like like little fish eat it thinking it's plankton, right? Mm -hmm. Eat the microplastics. Thinking yeah, it's they're plankton. stupid fish. Yeah, and the, yeah. The, then the small ones get eaten by a bigger fish and by another bigger fish. But guess what? Yeah, the food all chain. That, yeah. All that plastic accumulates more and more. So and so the apex becomes predators, more concentrated. Yeah, as you yeah. go, because uh, yeah. So suddenly your shark is. 25% plastic. <laughs> it's non-recyclable, by the way. And um, so they're saying that this uh, the plastic-associated chemicals uh, may present uh, attributable risks to human health. However, based on current, current evidence, the risks to human health appears no more significant than via other exposure routes. Right. So they're still uh, testing or like uh, experimenting and like testing and stuff like that and figuring out things so, like that. So going back to the study, Jared, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. this means microplastics have the potential to lower the efficiency of one of the most important natural processes occurring within our oceans, the biologically driven transport of CO2 to the seafloor. Um, the, this guy, his name is Dr. Tom Doyle, if you want to go look at his work. Um, goes on to say though however it is very important important to point out that the study was carried out in a laboratory setting we now need to go out into the field to further test our hypothesis by quantifying the abundance of microplastics found in salps in their fecal pellets you know those are the ones that drop the co2 to the ocean floor yeah. in different areas of our oceans like, I, I didn't even know that was happening. You know, like those, whatever. Those whatever. The pellets yeah. that capture the CO2 and then just Drawing sink. This, yes, like, did you know about those? Mm -hmm. You did? Yeah. I and, mean, uh, they, yeah, they just, also, just as a side note, guys, there's a lot more ecologically conscious than I am, so. Yep. And uh, one of the other things that they're talk, talking about is kind of going along with that is that these pellets of of plastics as they break down into smaller smaller pieces they actually release a lot of different chemicals as well which are not good at all um so like bpa and stuff like that they they release a lot of those type of chemicals yeah not, very, not 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 just oil not just oil yeah, yeah, yeah the yeah. chemicals that come like are used to make them that, that that's just the main thing they you know could think of right yeah um, um but yeah so they 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 are not good at all because they bleach a lot of the like toxins and stuff like that into the chemicals as well because they don't decompose they just break down a little bit more little by little and they release a lot <laughs> so of them. nothing good yeah exactly like usually when i think of the word breakdown it's a positive connotation this yeah. one is just negative all <laughs> yeah. and so yeah these dangers are compounded by the fact that plastics both leach out and absorb harmful pollutants as plastics break down through the uh, photo uh, degeneration, they leach out colorants, chemicals such as uh, bisphalane A, BPA, that have been linked to environmental and health problems. Conversely, plastics can also absorb pollutions such as uh, PCBs uh, from the seawater. These chemicals that then can enter the food chain when consumed by marine life, and then humans consume the marine life. So we end up taking in all those bad chemicals as well. 
So that's uh, another big, big thing that you have to think about as well as the uh, leaching and absorption of harmful, harmful pollutants that end up in the food chain. Okay, so I, I, since we're t touching that, I, I feel it's important to shout out some of the people mm -hmm. and bring up some of the people that are cleaning this stuff up, right? So I found an article saying five incredible organizations that are making the world's oceans cleaner. Um, the main one I would want to shout out, Jared, is, you know, Four Ocean. Mm -hmm. Like, I thought about buying another one of their bracelets. They're nice, yeah. yeah. But make sure you're buying from the website, or when you're on Amazon, you buy from Four Ocean. Yeah, no, you're, you're not buying reseller. a third-party seller. You're not, you know, you're buying. What What's the point of buying it if you're not supporting the main mission? Yeah, exactly. Right? When you buy it directly from them or from uh, like Amazon, when they're the one selling it on Amazon, that that money goes towards helping clean yes. the oceans. You know, if we're trying to be green here, you know, let's support them the right way. Let's not just. Oh, Try to find a yes, the first, right. yeah. it's, it's $10 cheaper. Yeah, because it's pure profit. It's yeah. not going towards the The actual measure. cause, yeah. Yeah. Um, so these will be linked down in the show notes below. But, um, so let's go over them. Uh, the first, uh, here, I'll, I'll send you this article. Here. I got so, it. I already have it up. It's the... Goodnet.org. Yeah. Okay, you got it. So we'll just switch off. Okay. Uh, the first one is Surfrider Foundation. It's a grassroots nonprofit organization working to protect and preserve the world's oceans by focusing on water quality, coastal ecosystems. You know, that's another important thing. Uh, what? The uh, co co coastal, coastal reefs? Yeah. Yeah. But barrier reefs. And yeah, barrier reefs. Um, beach access, beach and surf spot preservation. Yeah, because all these coral are getting bleached mm -hmm. and then it kills them. Yep. You know, but super important they're, they're literally environment. Like, yeah, they're literally the habitat for fish to live in. Like Without one of the most important, reef. you know. Yeah, those fish yeah. wouldn't have anywhere to live. Like there, there are, you know, some good news. There are, I have watched a few things where like they're trying to. The planet. Yeah, they're usually they they usually sink like these large, uh, concrete, uh, very porous kind of like with a lot of holes in it to the ocean floor, and the coral actually goes to it and starts growing because they're microorganisms that band together. Yeah, they, create they, a community. They're all aren't in, they colonies or something. They're colonies, yeah, because yeah. they're individual uh, bacteria and, and stuff like that that actually come together and, and work together to create a community, basically. Yeah. So. Surfrider Foundation is mainly in North America as well as in parts of South America, Europe, and Japan. And through a powerful activist network, people can connect and participate in coastal conservation efforts. The Surfrider Foundation has a strong social media presence to engage activists and encourage them to take part in activities such as beach cleanups or to sign digital petitions. Um, once again, all these websites will be linked, you know, in the show notes. But lightning <laughs> yeah. there it goes um and then the, other, the second one is uh oceana the world the largest international ocean conservation organization that works to protect and restore the world's oceans through targeted policy campaigns so they mostly work with like policy campaigns and trying to change it through the government they're based in washington dc with offices around the world and how they work is that they work uh work to protect wildlife 
uh, uh, protect sea life afflicted by industrial fishing by using targeted policy campaigns, campaigns focused on science combined with media, law, and public pressure. The, um, the clearly defined campaigns in such fields um, as responsible fishing, prevent ocean pollution, are designed to produce identifiable yeah. policy changes within three to five year time frame. So that that company is more looking to change the policy within the government. Yeah, I think to they're regulate all, it. They're all targeting specific things. Yeah, different things. They they they're, they're called like levers. Do you remember that in business school they would call them like business levers or something like that? Uh huh. Yeah, and so that's basically what they're doing. Is they're finding a specific lever to pull on, and that's what they're. Because you have a full undergrad in economics too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, with a minor in environmental sustainability. Yeah. So. Um, and then, uh, do you want to talk on the third one? Yeah. Welcome um, back, Kelsey. I'm back. So the next is the blue. It's a free downloadable program that turns the internet into a globally connected 3D digital ocean in order to raise awareness about the world's oceans. A group of Hollywood design veterans, including the Avatar animated and animator <laughs> Andy Jones, as well as MIT Media Lab director Joy Ito are behind the project and Neil Young, Richard Branson, and John Michel Cousteau are all big supporters. Where all over the internet. As part of the social digital ocean, users can explore different underwater scenes and search for a specific species that they can then purchase for their virtual ocean environment. The Blue directs 25% of the purchase price of these virtual species directly to nonprofit collaborators to fund projects that support their work in the real ocean environment. I haven't even heard of that. Neither have I. And what's cool is they're actually uh, going to the Oculus on VR. So you could actually uh, take an ocean tour in VR and make it fun and educational oh, cool at the same see. time. So this is more of like uh, trying to get people more, um, not really hands-on, but make an impact in a fun way. So they can visualize. Visualize the the oceans and visualize the animals and the creatures inside and so it sounds like you have to purchase these specific species to view them in their habitat and stuff like that but 25 percent of that goes towards nonprofit collaborators obviously the other 75 percent is going towards growing the experience so others can experience it too more than likely that's probably the way that it does so why don't you read number four number number four number number four is called five uh, gyres. 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 You're all wrong. Son of a gyres. <laughs> um, you are wrong, wrong, wrong. Wrong again. Wrong again, dog breath. <laughs> uh, nonprofit organization dedicated to understanding plastic marine pollution that works towards ocean free uh, oceans free of plastic, and they're all over the world. And uh, how they do it is through exploration, scientific research, education, and action. The five gyres inst. <laughs> gyres. You're, you're killing me, man. Killing me, Smalls. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know. I'm horrible. Uh, gyres institution. <laughs> <laughs> say, say it again for me. Say it again. Say it again. Oh, say it again. Say it again. <laughs> gyres. 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 Gyration. Gyres. Gyro. Gyres. Gyrocopter. The Five Gyres Institution engages in communities in uh, systematic like change <laughs> and encourages corporate par uh, partners, policymakers, and the general public to reduce plastic pollution. Kelsey, would you like to read the third one here? Let's or the fifth one, sorry. Yeah, the the fifth. fifth one, I was like, we're doing backwards now? Oh, well, the name I took. Ah, yeah. uh, yes. So <laughs> it does say take three, 
so an initiative to encourage people to leave the world's beaches and oceans cleaner, cleaner than when they found them. Uh, they are a group of beach lovers, environmentalists, and surfers dedicated to keeping their favorite spots free of litter. In, they're based in Australia, and the nonprofit solution to transform littered beaches into pristine oases is to get beachgoers to pick up three pieces of trash every time they leave the beach. It's just like, it's just like being, uh, being back in kindergarten when you, you know, you would clean up the, the whole classroom and you take three pieces. Right. So one, one last one I want to shout out is Four Ocean. Like we've talked about them already, but I'd just like to read their mission statement. As a global ocean cleanup company, Four Ocean's mission is to recover and recycle ocean plastic, advocate for sustainable in innovation, and inspire people around the world to reduce their consumption of single-use plastic. Rachel Lobeck, Pub PR, discusses their origin, and uh, that's not their mission statement. But Whoops. Yeah. Um, so, you know, like, they're... Here, I'm just going to go on. Why don't you talk for a minute here? Um, so, uh, Guy Rees, right? I, <laughs> I dislike you at this moment. Oh, come on. <laughs> but yeah, there's a, there's a lot of different companies that are trying to um, clean the ocean. There's a lot of different uh, resources out there to educate uh, people on it as well. So I'd definitely look into at least reading something about it or watching yeah. a YouTube vi a so, video about it. There's a lot of good videos out there. And uh, just to educate yourself more on it and the long-term effects of the pollution we're having in the ocean, you know what I mean? So long-term effects. So. so like just doing a Amazon search, all of their, you know, four ocean bracelet, you know, the first three results are all, you know, it's like $24, which is a good price. Mm -hmm. um, and they're nice bracelets. They're really yeah, yeah, they're really cool, high quality. But like, you know, right here they have a sponsored bracelet that looks mysteriously really close to their logo mm -hmm. um <laughs> from yan chun uh, yeah but you know if you're gonna buy it support the actual official, organization yeah or you know buy it off their own website it's probably the same price yeah you know? probably but you know four ocean is a great company i i have nothing but respect for them Yep, and on the Amazon they have two thousand eight hundred eighty-seven uh, reviews and they have four point five stars. So they're they they are good bracelets. Um, I'm pretty rough like, on, on them, so I accidentally broke to, mine in the first like six months. But to be honest with you, I don't even care what their controversy was. It's just um, you, you feel know. like they're doing enough benefit yeah, to override yeah, no some of the mistakes what. they might have been doing. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, guys, uh, we're coming up on the one-hour mark, so thanks for listening to us blab about how big of a problem this is. Um, <laughs> this has been your host, Luke. Um, your co-host, Jared. Yeah, and my other... And me, Kelsey. co-host, Kelsey. Kelsey! <laughs> um, thanks for watching, guys. Um, I hope you have a good night, and... Uh, Peace! Yeah, have a good night. More coming at you soon. Oh yeah. Enjoy. Bye.